0: Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont.
1: We're in a series called I Believe where we're laying out the six doctrinal or fundamental truths of Christianity found in Hebrews chapter six. We'll turn there at Hebrews six, one through three. Our foundational scripture. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let's go on to perfection, which is maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, notice the S, of the laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. This we will do if God permits. We started the series three weeks back on repentance. Obviously, even before Christ entered the scene, John the Baptist was, came, came with a message of repentance. We're going to basically go through baptisms today and discover how it correlates with repentance to begin with. The first baptism in the New Testament we found was John the Baptist going around baptizing people in water unto repentance. Amen. Who in here has been water baptized? Raise your hand. Who in here was water baptized and then you started sinning again and had to get rewater baptized? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, appreciate the honesty. People are like, I mean, is there like, a, you, you, you're like the, the super club of the month, like six more baptisms and this one's free. <laughs> How many people have been to multiple altar calls to get saved? Oh yeah, come on, this guy right here. I love it. I love it. Well, the Bible says in Acts 19, 1 through 6, we'll begin there and see where we're going to go. We have, I have a lot of scripture to go through today, and so I hope that um, you can follow along with everything. Acts 19, powerful chapter in the, in, in the book of Acts. that actually reveals a lot if you read the chapter. There's much meat in just a single chapter, but it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" And so they said to to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And so he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. So Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When he heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Just in Acts chapter 19, we discover a scriptural distinction in baptisms, that these people had believed in Christ, and they had been baptized in water unto repentance, so in their minds, they were born-again believers as they were through repentance, and they were not they didn't know that there was more in stock or in store for you to continue to pursue. And so, John's baptism was, was a baptism of repentance. As we established the beginning of the six doctrinal truths is repentance. The doorway into the kingdom of God is a heart laid down saying, Lord, I repent of my sin. I repent of the way I think. I want to change how I think and I want to change what I do. I turn my back on this world and I follow you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Even if, as like the Oral Roberts crowd, when the girl in Oral Roberts meeting wanted to come forward to get saved, she looked at her boyfriend that she loved, that he loved her, and she said, let's go down and let's give our hearts to the Lord. And he said, I am not going forward to give my life to the Lord. And she was distressed, and then she thought to herself, and she looked at him and said, well, if you won't come to heaven with me, I won't go to hell with you. Repentance is a personal decision. Amen. It doesn't require a group. We don't all have to drink the Kool-Aid of repentance. (laughs) It is an individual thing. God's covenant is with an individual person. And so you make the decision, I want to live for God. And the beautiful thing is, is one family member that turns their hearts over to the Lord, you'll actually see in Scripture that it opens the doorway for the household to begin to be saved and serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. How many people can testify to that? Some of you, some people, third, fourth generation Pentecostal preachers can trace it back to one person that got radically saved, gave their heart to the Lord, and now four generations later, they're all serving God. Amen. So if your family's not serving the Lord yet, live for God, be pure, be holy, be upright, do what He tells you to do, and you will change the generations to come because the blessing is to a thousand generations. If you're believing for that, shout amen. Come on, somebody. Matthew 16 or Matthew, Matthew 28 and Mark 16 are the last chapters of those Gospels. I'm not going to turn to them, but you can turn to them on your own time. And you'll discover every Gospel writes down the last words of Christ. And every Gospel is slightly different because obviously He was saying a lot. And they each captured something different. But in the last words of Christ Jesus, when you read it, you hear Him say, Go into all the world, basically. Share the love of God preach the gospel, make disciples, and get them baptized. What is he saying? He's saying build the kingdom, preach the word of God, bring people to a place of repentance, let them make a personal decision to receive God, then follow up with them, and if you do this, miraculous signs will follow the preaching of the word. Amen. Amen. Part of why we went into this series is because a lot of people want to just walk in supernatural power, but they don't even want to get the foundation of Christianity right. Amen. You can't sit there and live a hellish life and still think that God's going to anoint you with supernatural power. So the last words of Christ basically said, go and make disciples. Get people baptized. Spread the word of God. Bring people. Give them the personal decision. I was just thinking this week of the beauty of God that if you take any person on planet Earth to the highest level, those born into royalty, those risen to high heights of celebrity status, That God is so faithful before any of them leave planet earth, He will give them all an opportunity to receive the word of God and make a personal decision whether or not they want to believe in Him. That's the might of our God. Amen. And the goodness of our God that He will present Himself and give everybody an opportunity to choose. And someone says, what if somebody is living in the middle of the woods and jungles of Brazil and no one ever tells them about the Lord? Obviously, that's up to the Lord, but the Bible begins to speak about how He he judges based upon the conscience of their heart. Proverbs says, even a child knows right from wrong and is known for what he does. And so, basically, when you hear about Christ, especially as an adult, and you've been living a hellish life, you don't need to be convinced that, that the living for the devil is a bad life. You know it's a bad life. You're actually seeking the way out of it. You know what I mean? You're like, dear God, there's a way out, and it is Christ, and I want that way out. And it enriches your life to receive the Lord, and anything God ever tells you to give up is actually because it was hurting you. Are you with me? Do you believe that? All right, so let's turn to Acts 32 through 38. I'm just going to give a couple scriptures regarding baptism of repentance, really is what we would call it, water baptism. And baptism means you're baptized into something, through something. So those that are baptized in Christ through repentance, the first baptism found in the New Testament, is where you're baptized into Christ through repentance, and we use water as a means of that. Acts 8, 32-38, the place in the Scripture, which he read. Now this is the eunuch from Ethiopia. He said, "...he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth in his humiliation. His justice was taken away." And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of you, whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? So Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Say Jesus. Jesus. It's funny, but, Paul, uh, but Philip is, is, is in the word of God called Philip the evangelist. Evangelist's office has a very simple message, but a very powerful message. If you read later or beginning in Acts, every, when, when Philip went to Samaria, it says, Jesus preached G, or Philip preached Jesus unto the city of, in Samaria, and great joy filled the place. Here again we see he preached Jesus to this eunuch. An evangelist's job is simply to preach Jesus to a generation. And when a true evangelist steps up and grabs a microphone or takes control of a crowd, and they start talking about Jesus, it doesn't matter if you've been saved 30 years. You're thinking about going forward in an altar call. It's like a Holy Ghost vacuum. It pulls people from, I mean, the guy walked in cold hearted, angry, too tough, never gonna cry. Next thing you know, six foot seven, crying like a baby, snot flying. Jesus, because that is the office of the evangelist. When they talk about Jesus, lives get changed because hearts are opened up through the anointing upon their life. Philip preached Jesus to him. So as he preached Jesus to him, it is obvious that the eunuch's heart was opened up, his life was transformed, because as we keep reading, it says, As they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? So Philip says, Well, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. I read that to say this, being baptized as a baby is not scriptural. If you're six weeks old and you got dipped, you got spritzed, you got sprayed, you even had oil rubbed on your hiney. It did not have any effect. I mean, we believe in dedicating children to the Lord, but we always challenge people when we dedicate your child What you're saying is that you will live a godly life to lead this child into godliness. Do you make that commitment today? Then we as a church family are called alongside of you to hold you accountable to that. Amen. That's the key. You think, and so I've seen it done before, but I'm just challenging that. Baptism is something that you have to knowingly lay down your heart to the Lord and realize I need Christ in my life and I make a decision to change how I've been operating, how I've been thinking, what I've been saying, what I've been doing, and I want to live for Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And when you do that, something happens. When you don't do that, if you remove the heart chains from it and the desire of a person, and you just do a ceremonial dipping in water, it did not clean anything other than maybe some sand off of your feet because it was water. you with me this morning? So when we talk about baptisms, understand everything in the kingdom of God is a personal decision anyway. So you got to personally decide, I truly do repent, and when I do this, something will happen. Amen. Amen. Now we read in, in, in Acts chapter 16, verse 14, regarding what I said earlier, and this is found a few times in Scripture. A certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to sell her purple. It just shows you you can make money in any way. You know what I'm saying? What do you do? I sell purple. Okay. (laughs) And she was was like wealthy for selling purple. You know what I'm saying? So where was the pink dealer? That's what I want to (laughs) know. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So her heart was opened up as a, a prophet or an apostle spoke about Jesus. And she and her household were baptized and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Basically, an influential woman that scripture would say by the fact that she was running her own household and her business. People assume that she most likely was a widow. And had taken over her husband's profitable business and had moved the business to another town. And so her being the head of her house at this time, when she opened her heart to the Lord and she believed the word of the Lord and was baptized, salvation came to the household. Amen. There is the truth in the word of spiritual coverings, but we'll get into that some other time, God permit. Amen. So baptism... Signifies the laying down of our lives. As Jesus himself said, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? When we talk about being baptized in Christ, we're talking about the truth of, I will live for God. Come on, so I will live for God. My covenant is with God. If my church fails, if my pastor fails, if my spouse turns away, if my dad stops serving God, I myself will not stop serving the Lord. My eyes are fixed on Christ. My relationship is with Him. He is the mediator of my covenant, and my life belongs to Christ Jesus. That is it. That's what we do when we're baptized. And so what is the effects of baptism? Number one, one thing. Is it when you are water baptized, the baptism of repentance, and we do water baptism to signify that because Jesus said to do it. What does it represent? Number one, it represents the joining of yourself with Christ Jesus. I am deciding that when I get baptized, that I am laying my life down and dying to my flesh, to the desires of my flesh, to what would work within me. I choose to die to that and to live with Christ. So I'm joining myself with Christ. Where Christ suffered, I join myself in that, and I embrace the fact that I, I let this flesh die now, not later, so that I will live forever. Come on. As one great preacher said, those that die twice live once, or, or those that are born twice die once. So Those that are born once die twice. Okay. So you join yourself with Christ. Did that make any sense? Everybody's like, no, praise God. Just look at your neighbor and say, that's deep. Y'all ain't ready for this. I tell you, y'all ain't even ready for where I want to (laughs) go. Hallelujah. (laughs) Why be water, water baptized? Why the baptism of repentance? It's the joining of yourself with Christ. And then it is the birth of faith, which we establish. Repentance leads to faith. Thank God that God does not get you saved and want you to stay as a miserable loser Serving him from a place of I am nothing. He calls you to a new identity. He births within you a spirit of faith. So that now you can believe when others can't believe. And you can access the realms of God that you did not have access to before. It is a birthing of faith that God gave you. A measure of faith to grow and develop your spirit man. Amen. Amen. It's a birth of faith. Third thing about water baptism, why it's so powerful. It is the first... Public display you do to witness to the fact that Christ is alive. You call your friends, your sixth cousin, your twice removed brother. I mean, every time you have a water baptism, people come out of the woodworks. Some of them don't even have teeth to witness the fact that you are being baptized. You know what I'm saying? It is a public display, which the Bible talks about Jesus Christ removed the handwriting of the requirements against us and he made a public spectacle of the enemy and triumphed over him. Christ Jesus was not crucified in a closet. He did not die for the sin of man hidden away where shame was not presented to him. He willingly put himself on a hilltop for everybody to see him beaten and broken and allowed that to happen to win your heart for him. And so if Christ can do something publicly, I can do something publicly for him. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. I believe it. I confess it. You can hold me under the water. Preacher, keep me there till you think I'm clean. I'm not ashamed. It's it's, it's a beautiful, supernatural, spectacular event to show people this person is choosing to change. It's a public display of affection for Christ as one great rapper said. I love God. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? She knows. Pastor Linda, you know, don't you? I love God. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? Sometimes you need to publicly show people how much you love God and not love. Love. You got to get it right. You know what I'm saying? It ain't L-O-V-E. It's L-U-H. Love. People are like, I didn't know you had roots that deep. Bro, I go deep in the things of God. Deep. <laughs> Who in here has ever been praying and serving the Lord? Press like, pressing in. You start rapping for the Lord. Let me show you. Let me see the rappers in the house. I do it. You know, I give the Lord a rap. It ain't good, but you know what I'm saying? I do it. Start trying to be all cool with the Lord. Thank God it's just being Him. Why water baptism? Why the baptism of repentance? Why do we do this too? It gives you a physical moment in time to say that that day I laid my life down. I died with Christ Jesus. Anything I said, did, or partook in before this, when the enemy tries to accuse me of it, I can say that that person is dead. And you cannot hold a dead man accountable because he is not alive. So it is water now off my back because I am a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. That has no claim to me anymore. And I will not do the things I once did. Amen. It's a it's a signification of a brand new life. It gives you that moment. That's why I said that's I said it those of you that then screwed up and you're like, okay, going back in that water It's time swirl it around a little bit. Maybe put some Dawn dish soap in there because pastor, I'm just telling you, I need an extra cleansing right now. Dear God. Amen. I have fun here. You know what I'm saying? When I travel out from here, I'm like, this crowd is so dead. But when you're here, people are like, you can say anything here. People will laugh. You can misspell words. People are got your back. You can do b- public displays of horrible math, and no one calls you to it here. All right. Second baptism found in Scripture in the New Testament Luke three sixteen. John answered, saying to all, "I indeed baptize you with water." So we're we're talking about John's baptisms. This is John speaking about, "I baptize you with water, the baptism of repentance." But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap, I am not even worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire the Holy Spirit and fire notice the and ands matter it's the willing and obedient that will eat the good of the land the ands in the kingdom of God matter so let's look at the Holy Ghost baptism that John the Baptist himself spoke of that Jesus was going to do Luke 24 If you have got your Bible turn with me there towards the end of or the end of the gospel of Luke Once more, we're discovering the last words Christ spoke. And How many people realize that with any life, the last words that come out of a person's life are pretty intentional. So if you're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, whose words are life, what he chose to say in the last moments on planet Earth should bear much stock within us. To say, what was he saying? He said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. These were the last words of Christ captured in the Gospel of Luke. I say that to say this. There is a mainstream movement in the church where we have relegated the baptism of the Holy Ghost as a subsequent unnecessary event that only the fringe believer will acquire. But Christ himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, decided in his last words to declare to those that had followed him, the job is not yet done. You have been baptized, you have believed, you have followed me, but now... Go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Because until Christ died, until Christ rose, you could not hold the Holy Spirit. It would have destroyed your flesh. But because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we entered into the ultimate plan of God. So what I'm saying is the gospel itself is get saved, get set free, get filled, and live for your generation in the power of the Holy Ghost. It's part of being a witness. Being a witness means I was there, I was present, and I saw it happen. Well, I was not there on the day of of Christ's crucifixion personally in the flesh, but the Spirit of God was there that day, and when He comes to fill me with the same resurrection power, I can witness to the fact that He is alive because He's alive in me. Amen. If you've got the Holy Ghost, shout amen. Amen. Yeah, baby, that's why I love this church. Acts 1, 4 through 8, Jesus continuing His his words before He leaves planet Earth said, Being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard from Me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together and they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Lord has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is the baptizer In the Holy Ghost. The gospel is get saved, get born again, get filled, bring heaven to earth and change your generation. Come on. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that I once was alone, I once was lost, but now I am never alone because He is with me everywhere I go. I'm a container filled with the glory of God, not one-third of God, not God-diluted, not part of God, not a drip of God, but all of God rests on the inside of me. When I show up, God shows up. Where I go, God goes. When I pray, God prays through me. Things happen when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Number one, effects of the Holy Spirit baptism. Why did Jesus want us to have this? Because the first thing that happens when you get filled with the Holy Ghost is you get transformed from the inside out. Up until then, it's a faith move to live right, talk right, and be right. But when you get filled with the Spirit of God, something happens where His nature gets entwined with your nature, His thoughts get entwined with your thoughts, the Holy Ghost becomes your thoughts, your mouthpiece, your director, your leader, your guide. You get transformed by the Holy Spirit. You first meet Him and you love God and you say, I want to live right, I want to be right, but you're still struggling. You want this broke, you want that broke. You still let the four-letter word slip out of your mouth. But then you get God in you. Man, six months, seven months, Eight months, a year, you just keep growing them before long. You never tried to clean up. You never tried to be different. You never tried to change things. But just by loving Him and being filled with Him, you're talking different. You're walking different. You're acting different. Someone comes to you and says something, and before you even realize it, the Word of God's coming out of your mouth and you're declaring. You're decreeing things. Man, I remember when my child, little kid, got saved at four years old, Ellie. She instantly started to change. I mean, her attitude changed. She got saved, and she's telling everybody about Jesus. Then when she got baptized in the Holy Ghost, now you better watch. When Ellie comes alive, you better get out of the way. She's a prophetess with power, and she doesn't care how old you are. She's the one with the word from God at that moment. I've watched her do it. There's a transformation by the Spirit of God. He never said, get right, live right, and do it on your own. He said, come to me as you are, weary and heavy laden, and I will take that yoke from you, and I will give you something else. I will give you rest. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, he transforms your life. It's you 2.0. It's a better version of you. Trust me. Second effect of being baptized in the Holy Ghost is it makes you bolder than you were before. Peter denied Christ because he was ashamed to be associated with God when the crowd was against him. we got too many believers that are ashamed to stand for righteousness when the crowd is against them because you don't have the power of God flowing through you and so you're, you're manipulated through the thoughts and the, and the, and the crowd around you. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's times that your mind is saying, don't do it. Don't say it. But before you realize it, you've done Open that mouth and you've done said it. Yeah. And you are not ashamed. And you're bold, bolder than you were before. It breaks the fear of man off of you because the Bible says that the spirit of fear is cast out through the perfect love of Christ Jesus. And the Bible says we are filled with the love of God by the Holy Ghost which is shed abroad in our hearts. So we get filled with the love of God which casts out fear so we become bold as a lion. Amen. May the righteous be bold as a lion. May we look wickedness in the eye and call them wicked. May we call things which are not as though they are. May we prophesy and may we stand for this generation. Come on, so I don't care about your politically correct message. I don't care about your cancel culture. You can have that all day long, but I belong to a kingdom that is unshakable. And I will not offend the heart of my Savior for the, for the praise of man. It gives you a boldness to stand in the face of obscurity and say, No, God is on my side, and if God be for me, who can be against me? You can huff, you can puff, but my house is built on a rock. And you can't blow it down. And if you do blow it down, I'll still bask in the sunlight of His glory. Amen. Because I chose to live in Florida anyways. Amen. Although, Lord, we speak to this weather right now. We command Florida to be Florida. I I didn't come here to feel like I was in Cincinnati. No offense if you love Cincinnati, but we will pray for you after the service. Hallelujah. Another effect of the Holy Spirit baptism is there's fruit that is birthed in your life. Call it the fruit of the Spirit, but call it fruit. Jesus said, or, or judge everything by the fruit that it produces. There is fruit of the Spirit. There is a nature change. People that were once angry people become peaceful people. People that were once fearful people become bold people. People that were once unkind, rude people become kind. People that were once prideful become humble people. There's a transformation of the spirit of God because he begins to speak to you. Amen. Amen. Leading you. And so there's the fruit of the spirit in your life, but beyond that there's fruit of your life. There are people being saved. Your household is different. Things that you're doing is different. Your 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 work at, at place becomes different because you're a carrier of the glory of God. Things do change when the Holy Spirit is in the place. Amen. And every other God must bow to the name of God. Do you believe it? If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. I said this in the nine o'clock. I'll say it again now. God is is the king of kings and the Lord of lords regardless. If you want to believe it or don't believe it. If everybody doesn't want to believe it, it's not like those Santa Claus movies where if not enough people believe, he loses his power. He's not up there checking the spirit spirometer or whatever. Oh, we got to do a miracle and awake another generation that we're losing power here. Our God's power is not contested at all. He is the King of Kings. And the Bible says clearly every knee will bow. Those that want to bow and those that don't want to bow, they will all bow. Because He is the King. Hallelujah. So fourth effect. And I believe this is a very important part. Because I'm watching and I'm looking at the world right now. And I believe we're getting... If we're not in the end of, end of, end of days, we're in the end of, end of, end of days. <laughs> and if you don't believe that, come out from the rock you've been hiding under and open your eyes and realize things are cooking up for a final yeah. countdown. Yeah. And the Bible says in the last days there will be times of deception. Yeah. even speaks about there will arise teachers in the body of Christ that lead people astray. They will be charismatic. They will be likable. They will teach, but they will not teach the truth. They will teach what the crowd wants to hear. I mean, people, even part of repentance is sometimes you hear what you don't want to hear, which leads you to repentance. Sometimes you need a tough word from the Lord. If you read Jesus, what would Jesus do? Sometimes Jesus would say very things that cut to the heart of people. And so I look at it now, and and I see a generation that's quickly led by the masses. And one of the, the primary things that the Holy Spirit baptism gives you is a supernatural leading of God. You once had heard about God, but now you hear God. Now He's in you. Now when you rise in the morning, He speaks to you. Now when you go to act or do something, His still small voice speaks clearly through you. Do you need to do that? What is the fruit of that? Don't go there. Do that, don't do that, don't take this job, don't go to that place, don't get on that plane, don't ride with that person, don't hang out with this person, don't agree with this diagnosis. It's a supernatural leading of God, where you get the voice of God on the inside of you. And I come to realize how much, I, for years, you know, I would talk to the Lord, and you know, I never thought of myself prophetic, I'm not a prophet, I don't want to be a prophet. I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm not trying to be weird, you know, like some prophets are, let's face it. I like to be more normal, you know. I don't, you know, and so I never thought of myself of that. But then every day I began to realize how much I lean on hearing his voice. Like, God, what do you want me to do today? Because even where how we live, there's, there can be 20 things throwing at you every day. Right. And, and if you don't learn to listen to the voice of the Lord, you'll feel you've got to take care of 20 things. Yeah. You try and take care of 20 things, you feel bombarded, you feel exhausted, you feel tired, you feel stressed out, and you get nothing produced. Yeah. And that is how the enemy wants this generation so busy, you do nothing. People live their lives 80 years of running flat out and look at it later and realize, what was it all for? But God is a voice that will cut through the fluff and speak to your heart and say, you don't have to worry about that. I've already taken care of that. And you don't have to focus on that because that problem is a problem I will swipe away with my own hand. But this, this is what I want you to do. The voice of the Lord that speaks to you concerning things. There is a leading by God's spirit. If you don't get this, then you will be led by opportunity alone. You don't think the enemy can open a door of opportunity for you and make it look like a golden carrot for you to follow after and spend 20 years running in the wilderness you should have never ran in? Seen it time and time again. But when you get the voice of God and you let Him be the one that leads you, sometimes He will lead you in places you would never choose to go. But once you're there, you see why you're there. It's precious. I thank God for the voice of God. I thank Him day and night. It doesn't need to be spectacular. I don't need to call into the prophet hotline and send a $1,000. Thank the Lord for that, right? God's not like, hey, cash at me 500 bucks and I'll give you direction today. He's not that way. He's faithful. And when you get filled with His Spirit, you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now you have access to the King. The general is speaking to you. Hmm, you get your orders straight from the top. There's none of that tattle tale tittle. What was it? What is it? Tattle 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 phone. Tattle phone? phone. Yeah. Te- is that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we oh, we made it. Okay. Broke telephone. remember broken telephone? You remember? Broke. <laughs> Broke telephone. <laughs> yeah, Seven right. people later, it's like the totally different message. You know what I'm saying? Miss <laughs> Laura wants green bananas by the time it gets to you Laura's done had a green monkey flying and you know what I'm saying and a lot of Christians are playing telephone by the time it gets to them they're so confused Lord you want me to cluck like a chicken and bark three times my God no he didn't say that he said when you hear the clicking chicken cluck three times and the dog bark I'm saying go into the lane you know what I'm saying anyways let's get off of that That's all some people are going to get right now. <laughs> Lord, I don't want to play telephone with you. I want to hear from you. I want to get my orders from the king. Amen. <laughs> Supernatural league. Fifth thing, an effect of the Holy Spirit baptism is he gives you a new language. Tongues, prayer language. You get filled. You get baptized. You begin to speak in a brand new tongue. What the Bible says regarding that is that you have been giving the tongues of an angel and you speak mysteries unto God. Thank the Lord for that, right? Amen. The enemy happened to send your aunt full of the devil right into your household when you're praying. And you pray in tongues, the devil has no idea what you're praying. People are like, How'd you know my aunt's full of the devil? We all have that. We all have that one aunt. <laughs> I have great aunts. Amen. (laughs) No, it's speaking mysteries under God, which the Bible says also builds you up on your most holy faith. It's an access point to access the entirety of the supernatural unseen realm where you're speaking and declaring things. Someone says, well, I don't understand it. Well, understand this, that, that even as we speak known languages like we do now, if you trace the Bible, there was a time when there was one language And people were speaking one language and got unified to the point where they decided we will rise above God and build a tower to access Him. So the Lord spread confusion by giving them multiple languages. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, we get the language of the kingdom of God. So the unity that was there at that time has been given back to the church through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So that if I'm in Africa, I'm in Ethiopia, I'm in America, if we pray in the Spirit, we are praying in unity the perfect will of God. And we are thwarting the devil everywhere he wants to set up camp. We are miles ahead of him. We have gone ahead and tore down his strongholds. There was power in the church of Jesus Christ. Why do you think the mainstream does its best to shame tongue talkers and stop us from praying because their agenda is hell's agenda. Let confusion remain in the body of Christ. Let everybody be confused. But to the tongue talking Holy Ghost filled church. Oh, Rambakarabasata. We get unified so deep. Jesus, great things happen. Great things happen. My pastor in Nashville, while I'm on it, because who cares what time it is? Fasting's a holy thing to do unto the Lord. <laughs> he was one night stressed out, knew something was wrong with his daughter. His wife was there. They were praying, God, cover our daughter. Know that she's hanging out with wrong people. It was so heavy on them, though. So you ever had those times when it, there's like a burden come upon you, and it don't lift you know what I'm saying? Like God's like, no, you will pray this thing through. And you're praying, and they were praying, and they were praying. And the Lord spoke to my pastor and said, get in your car and drive. And he starts driving in Nashville, Tennessee, hearing the Lord say, turn left as he's praying in tongues. Turn right. Get on the interstate. He's following the voice of the Lord, doesn't know where he's going. Every time he needs to turn, he's praying in the Spirit. And the Lord just speaks to him. He does exactly what God says. His wife's at home praying in the Holy Spirit. He pulls up outside of this ran down house in Nashville. Walks up to the door, knocks on the door, and as soon as the door opens, smoke is pouring out. It's a drug den. People are all wigged out, and he looks through the cloud, and there's his daughter sitting on the, on the couch. He walks right up to her. He picks her up. She's screaming. People are all wigged out and so high they don't even know what's going on. He carries her right out, puts her in the car. She's angry. The next day on the front page of the paper, three teenagers died in that house that night from drugs that were laced with formaldehyde. But the Lord sent him in there because when you get the knowledge and you get the voice of the Lord and you get your leading by the Spirit of God, you know things that the world does not know. And though the enemy has a plan to cut your daughter's life short, you will pierce through that dark curtain and you will say, not today, Satan, not today, Satan. You're dealing with a blood-bought, tongue-talking, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost believer. I've got power. I've got authority. I will not yield. I will not bow. Hallelujah, church. Hallelujah, church. Hallelujah! Why do you think Jesus said, go and get the power? Because when you're in, filled with the power of God, the devil is more scared of you than you are of him. It turns it around. I remember I used to be plagued with a nightmare. Every night as a little kid, I'd be chased by this, this animal thing. And I'm running. I mean, it was like a recurring dream. Every night. I'm being chased and then one night I realized this is my dream. I'm sick and tired of being the one chased in my dream. And I turned around and I started chasing it and as soon as I chased it, it turned and it started running. Let me tell you, after that I never had that dream again because when you realize the devil is more terrified of you, than you should be of him and you turn tail and you run right at him. Then he will flee from you seven ways, the Bible says. Jesus man I feel the fire of God in this church sixth effect of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the gifts of the Spirit which tongues is the gateway into the power of all the gifts of the Spirit you stir yourself up you pray in the Holy Ghost you begin to access the giftings of the, and the supernatural power of God where you see the working of miracles they just prayed with a person the other day well, come here Shababa, where's the microphone? Right Give it. A, tell them quickly what happened. Um, so we,
0: we were... <laughs> hey. um, Jesus, it's sick up here. We went to Paisano's to go and eat. And uh, we, we just ate there. And we were finished up. Amy and, and I looked at each other. And she's like, oh, I need to go to the restroom. I'm like, all right, you go to the restroom. I went to the restroom, too. Obviously, I was fast because I'm a man. So got out of there. And I was standing, I see this old lady walking in to the bathroom. And then I lay comes out and she's like, I need to go pray for the lady. But before she could say that, I said, oh, you need to go pray for the lady. She's like, oh, I was about to say, I was like, okay, cool. So we go, then I'm like waiting outside, but I'm telling you, they're taking forever. I'm like this, I'm like, Jesus, like, Lord, I don't know, that lady must be struggling on the toilet or something. But (laughs) it was crazy. Then what happened was... They finished up, they come walking out, but I didn't know I was praying for her husband, and I prayed for him. And then as we were just finishing up, and like we talked to them, as we walked out of Paisano's, literally this, this guy's daughter and the mom are there, and her eyes start rolling back, and like she looks like she's dead, like literally dead. And I felt the Holy Ghost say, go and pray. And I said, in the name of Jesus, life! And then I picked her up, and then boom, her eyes came back. And they were shaking her, shaking her. It was, it was the dad. It was like, please come back, please come back, please come back. And then I just came and I laid my hands I said, life in Jesus' name. And then boom, Jesus came back. And she was just like, like, what happened? And I'm telling you, we were like, man, what you have inside of you, you can destroy the works of the Tell devil. Because he sent his word to heal them. And he destroyed the works of the devil. You are a child of God. Destroy it, man. Come on.
1: <laughs> Hallelujah! Oh! Glory to God. Oh, this generation hasn't seen anything yet. You better get ready. You better get ready. Jesus.
0: <laughs>
1: Jesus, Jesus. If I can get someone on the keys right now, someone to play to not none of that pad stuff. We don't want a pad pads are for puppies. Jesus 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 Jesus, Jesus. Luke 12:49 through51. Jesus once again says, "I came to send fire on the earth." How I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. You suppose that I came to give peace on earth. I tell you, not at all, but rather division. The third baptism we find in the New Testament. Obviously, repentance is the doorway into the kingdom. The Holy Spirit baptism is something Jesus said, you got to get it. But the third baptism is... Is really a baptism that you got to decide if you want it. And that's the baptism of the fire. One is baptized into fire through suffering. That's why it is called theologically the baptism of suffering. Jesus spoke of this. Having already been baptized in water, already been filled with the Spirit, already been led by the Spirit to the wilderness and stood against every temptation and came back empowered by God, In Luke 4, Luke 12, he says, There is another baptism, one that I'm distressed. He was distressed not as the Son of God, but distressed in the flesh. Because the baptism of fire is where one goes through sufferings, not for their own good, but for someone else. It's where one looks at life and says, God, I will pay a price for my generation. And I, I recognize that there are things you could take me to that are uncomfortable places. I recognize that there are troubles that can arise when you read of the greats that pioneered the Livingstons, David Livingston that went to South Africa to pioneer for the gospel in a dark continent that they called at that time. And he writes in his diary of how many times they were sick even though Christ is a healer. But their body is not used to it. Paid a price to the point that his wife died on the missions trail. And he said, I will not quit faced storm after storm, price after price, and Christ did this in the garden of Gethsemane when he cried out and he said, man, God, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, let your will be done and not my will. And the Bible says he sweat drops of blood that day, so distressed knowing what he was about to endure, and yet he made a decision, I will endure this for another. We read throughout history of some of the greats, the pioneers that carried something so strong in their generation. You also read, coupled, yes, they believed in the goodness of God. Yes, they saw it. But they also had been through the fire. They'd been through storms. They'd faced much adversity and persecution was regularly at their doorstep. It's funny how oftentimes once they pass, the church begins to create an image of them and everybody celebrates the Smith Wigglesworth and the Catherine Colemans. but when they were alive they were hated there was picketers at their meetings people spoke all sorts of wicked things about them but they said God I don't care what they say about me I just care that I reach one more for you Paul said it himself he said despite the fact that he was warned "Don't, don't go you will be killed he said I know but I've poured out my life like a drink offering I've fought the good fight and I've finished my race and there is laid up for me a crown on the other side Christ said it on the cross after paying the price he said it is finished now and he breathed out his last breath because it wasn't to win something for himself it was to win you call it fire we call it suffering and and we don't know how to handle it because it's God is good God is great but the world is falling and the enemy is real and he hates this generation and there's got to be someone to say God I will roll up my sleeves and I will go in the darkest of places and if it costs me my life at least my life will go down to mean something it's a person that says God I will not be a a weak yellow-bellied Christian I will be a child that holds his head high and I will try my best to reach my generation for you. And I understand what comes against me. What comes against you is the doubts. What comes against you is the distractions. It's the desire. I desire a good life. I desire great things. I desire success. Lord, all of that matters. All of it's a promise. But it's the the facing of that saying, God, I will still choose to die to that if you can use me in another way. And if you do that, God, if you would do that in this generation, if there could come back in this land some people that have walked through the fire, that when they talk of Jesus, they don't talk of Him as though He was written in a book. They talk of Him as though they sat with Him three minutes before they showed up to tell you about Him. When they move, you feel eternity move with them. That when they speak, you feel atmospheres change. That when they pray and they speak, you feel it. Even if you don't want to believe it, you know this person's carrying something. We hear the stories of the people falling. Before people even had a chance to preach, Smith Wigglesworth on a train. And people would fall at his knees and say, pray for me, I'm a sinner. From 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 a touch from God so great. call it the baptism of fire. Jesus said, "I come to baptize with the holy ghost and fire." And you need the holy ghost and if you want the fire, understand, man, he'll get in your life and sometimes he will burn things out. You didn't want burn out, but if you trust him through that, it will burn within you a faith that is resolute and unshakable. We read of the three Hebrew children And in their generation, everybody compelled, or everybody capitulated, and everybody followed for fear of their lives, and knowing full well, this will cost me my life, said, dear king, we will not bow. And if it costs us our lives, and it is a price we are willing to pay, but we also believe that our God is able to save us from that fire. holy Paul paid a price if you think about him he was celebrated as a Pharisee but when he got saved he had to flee for his life out of barrel down the side of the city because people hated him so much when he got saved they, they made a pact the Bible says towards the end of his life there were 40 Jews that made a pact saying we will not eat and we will not drink until we kill Paul because when you step into this depth the enemy knows who you are, and he wants to take you out, but he can try, and he can try, but until the Lord says it's time, every attack, every dart, every arrow fired from hell will never find its mark. And I don't know about you, but I, I look at this nation, and I realize we need men of God and women of God. We need the grannies that pray the, the fire of heaven in the room. We need the Thanksgiving dinners where the presence of God falls in the place. We need it back in this nation. And it doesn't come to those that just casually live for God. It comes to a remnant that says, God, if you're looking for anyone to go deeper, I will go deeper in you, God. You can take what you want. You can burn what you need. But my life is a sacrifice for you. Because He is the God that answers with fire. As we read two weeks ago when Paul said, From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Night and day I've been in the deep. And journeys often in perils of water and in perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles and perils in the cities and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea." in perils among false brethren, and weariness and toil, and sleeplessness often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness, besides those other things which came upon me daily. Paul didn't have to endure this, is what I want to tell you today. He knew Jesus, he was saved. He did not have to keep enduring that. He could have casually retired and went somewhere else, but he chose to keep his hand on the plow for his generation in this room right now I believe that God has hand picked some of you to be alive on planet earth at this hour and I for one don't know what the end will look like but I do know that we are coming to a time in life where things are so polarized there is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of darkness and there are many that are stuck in the in the, in the valley of decision right now, and God is looking in this hour to raise up some pure children. But it comes with a price. Saying, God, I trust you. And I can tell you some of the things I've had to go through. Found yourself saying, God, why? Why did I have to go through that? Why didn't you intervene? but at the end of it all it puts within you such a depth when you hear people and you hear what takes them out you say that's what took you out he's better than that because I've faced many things and I can tell you that everything i faced even when I felt alone and I felt abandoned that when I would go to him in the darkest hours he was always there that when he says I am with you from the east to the west, the start of the day to the end of the day, that He means what He says. He will walk through you with everything. And it puts within you a resolve of faith to say, I don't just believe this. I absolutely know this. That my God is who He says He is. And I trust Him with everything I've got. And you can laugh at me, but let me tell you. I'm not living for what people say anyways, I'm living to hear the words, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And if you're here right now, I'll do a few things. If every head could be bowed and every eye closed. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never discovered, as Paul wrote, the depth, the height, the width, and the breadth of His love. you never had that moment when you felt what real love actually was. And my friend, today is a day to say, God, I want to be loved. I want to have that love because it is real and He loves you so much. His love is unyielding, unfailing. It doesn't take stock of what you've done wrong. It loves you regardless. It's patient. It's kind. He's loved you from the time you were formed in your mother's womb. In fact, the Bible tells you that he actually was there present to fearfully and wonderfully make you. He formed and fashioned your image and gave you a look that he gave no one else. And put within you things that he gave no one else. Because you're precious to him. And all it takes is the surrender of your heart to say, God, I want that. I want to be precious to you. And I want to know you. So today, I want to lay my life down before you. All of it. and You can have it. If you've never done that, then I want to do that with you today. So what we're going to do together as a church, I want you to just lift your hands to the Lord and across the place, we're going to say a prayer together. Say, Father, I thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you for your love for me. And today... I give you my life I give you all of me I trust you for you love me greater than even I love me I trust your plan I trust your ways and today I repent for every sin I've ever done for every time i failed you for every weakness that I've lived I I repent of it now and I ask you God take my life use it for your glory Jesus you are my Lord you are my Savior come into my heart right now wash me and cleanse me take out the stony heart put in a heart of flesh a soft heart be my teacher lead me and guide me and may all of my days be yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And as we close out the service today, if you would like to pray. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.